Welcome to Anxious Tea Time, the show where we discuss the wonderfully different aspects of mental health. I'm Ellie. And I'm Gulli. And this week we're going to be discussing anxiety disorders. Uh, yeah, we're going to give a brief overview of the different types of anxiety disorders, some of the symptoms, and discuss a bit about how they overlap. Even if we will talk about a lot of the symptoms anxiety disorder, do keep in mind that this episode is in no way a replacement for a proper evaluation and discussion with a mental health professional. Uh, yeah, this is for informative purposes only, but if you feel like you might be struggling with some sort of anxiety disorder or other mental health issue, please talk to your GP. With that said, a lot of the disorders we'll be talking about are often very intense and distressing versions of issues we all can face to a certain extent throughout our lives. So even if you have not been diagnosed with a disorder, nothing is stopping you from searching up and using coping mechanisms and tricks for a specific disorder if you feel like you have a similar mental health issue. For example, uh, even if you don't have clinical social anxiety, you can still benefit from uh, mindfulness and breathing exercises to calm yourself down when you might find yourself in a stressful social situation. Yeah, you might want to look into common cognitive behavioural techniques. These aim to battle and fact-check distressing thoughts even if you don't suffer from generalised anxiety. Yeah, mental health isn't black and white, and I think it can be useful for all of us to recognise different types of anxiety and anxiety disorders. Um, but with that said, what you will hear today is a very brief overview, and every single one of these disorders could easily have their own episode. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump into it. What most people think about anxiety is one set of reactions and thoughts and fears, when in fact there are a variety of different types of anxieties. For example, mm. you can have social anxiety, general anxiety, OCD, panic disorder, and people perceive these at different severities based off their symptoms. For example, one person may have a severe social anxiety disorder, but their reactions and symptoms to their fear can be seen as less intense as someone with general anxiety disorder. This can be damaging for these people and with this disorder as they may feel like they won't be taken seriously as their disorders and it may not be as life-altering as other ones. Yeah, that's very true. And how we express our symptoms to the disorders we'll be discussing can be very different. Some people might end up withdrawing a lot and have a lot of internal anxiety and you may not notice, while some people uh, might have very outward reactions of panic and crying and being very almost vocal about it and obviously that doesn't actually say anything about the severity of anxiety just how you deal with it so just keep that in mind that even if we're describing symptoms that doesn't really say about how we may express them yeah uh, so let's start off with um, panic disorder panic disorder is an anxiety disorder which involves frequent and unexpected panic attacks a panic attack is an unexpected episode of intense fear and well panic during a panic attack we may experience chest pain um, short of breath, dizziness, our heart rate going wild, our fingers going numb. We may feel like the whole world is crumbling around us and very often we feel like we're going to die or that something really, really bad is going to happen. Even if we often cannot pinpoint what exactly is going to go wrong. Uh, we don't need to have an actual panic disorder to experience panic attacks, um, which again, panic attacks can be quite common to experience at some point in our lives, often due to high stress or other things. But one symptom that is very common in panic disorder is having a lot of anxiety uh, about having another panic attack ironically enough the anxiety for the anxiety 
at least a month after a panic attack, um, which can often lead us to avoid situations which have triggered a panic attack in the past and can become very all-consuming in terms of how we conduct our daily lives. To be diagnosed with panic disorder, you also need to not be diagnosed with any other anxiety disorder, which could cause a panic attack, as panic attacks are inherently very common with different anxiety disorders. Common treatments to panic attacks uh, are cognitive behavioural therapies uh, to help us address false beliefs and uh, anxiety cycles, as well as psychiatric medication, if that's a good fit for you. It's a very odd and interesting disorder in a way that's having anxiety for anxiety, because obviously with other anxiety disorders you, you have a specific trigger that you think will get you in a specific situation and literally having an anxiety attack over having an anxiety attack is sort of like an odd concept to see like I've studied psychology myself and even panic disorders reading into it and learning more about it it's a very confusing concept in some sort of way yeah definitely because it's not just about that oh like experiencing random panic attacks it's definitely like the significant fear and trying to navigate your life in such a way to avoid panic attacks which again like the avoidance can lead to more anxiety which can lead to a higher risk of having panic attacks. It can be like a very, very vicious cycle. Yeah, and considering it's like it's a very common anxiety disorder and also not many people know much about it. Yeah, definitely. Like, even myself, I don't know much about it anyway and I, I never really heard much about it beforehand. But it's, it's such an interesting concept in a way and it's sort of sad to hear that not many people really know about it because of the main anxiety disorder is general anxiety disorder that you don't really get to hear how intense these things are because obviously you're going to have to navigate your life around all of these anxieties that could possibly cause an anxiety attack so it can be so detrimental to your life. Yeah, and apparently um, it's a very almost common occurrence that a lot of people will call 999 and when they first experience a panic attack if they're not used to it because it can legitimately feel like you're having a heart attack yeah especially i can't like underline enough like that intense feeling of dread a panic attack often comes with so not only are you feeling these like really weird unexplained physical symptoms you also genuinely feel like something really bad is happening and it's very like um difficult to, to tell them apart from other things so obviously if you have been diagnosed with panic disorder or very used to panic attacks you obviously get to know yourself a bit more and you can like feel a panic attack coming on but for those of us who experience it for the first time it can be incredibly scary panic attacks aren't just uniquely in panic disorders they're also in uh, other anxiety disorders as well like general anxiety disorders also known as GAD is the most common anxiety disorder in the world and is an anxiety disorder characterised by chronic anxiety this is exaggerated worry and tension even when there's like little or nothing to provoke it at all when it comes to triggers or provoking thoughts it can be a fixation on a specific fear or even many different ones for example a common fear of people with gad is a fear of dying this fear can be so incredibly intense that it can interrupt day-to-day tasks and prevent people from being in certain situations due to the possible outcomes or they may even go into a crisis on uh, the concept of death and the inevitability putting themselves in almost paralytic state these fixations don't always stay the same and can shift into different fixations 
fixations and thoughts. These aren't just mental fixations either. Specific situations can also trigger these attacks. For example, someone may unawarely get on the wrong bus home and end up lost. This can trigger an anxiety attack to the extent where they're unable to move or can't trust anyone or breathe or even open their eyes. Symptoms can vary from psychological ones such as the sense of dread, difficulty concentrating, restlessness, constantly feeling on edge and irritability but there are also physical symptoms as well such as dizziness, tiredness, muscle aches, sweating, stomach ache, trembling, headache and even feeling sick. These always don't happen at the same time, it can be a mix and match of different symptoms and reactions depending on what's triggered it. These all happens in assaultments of ways. Sometimes when we do experience general anxiety disorder we might be aware that our anxieties are unjustified or that it is actually like uh, we're having an anxious episode and can recognize that and navigate it but sometimes anxiety can be so all-consuming that in the moment we may be completely convinced that our anxieties are justified and kind of either way go out of a way to alleviate the anxiety which may not often be very productive or beneficial to us. Oh yeah of course it's complete sometimes it can be completely rational in your head what you're thinking and these overthinking situations of if this happens or if I do this specific thing then this outcome will happen no matter what even if it could be completely insane in your head it's completely rationalized and it makes complete sense yeah you can be incredibly worried and anxious about something and obsess over it for for an entire day if not longer then you can wake up next day and being like oh that was kind of dumb wasn't it (laughs) and it's all about this balance of trying to validate what of your anxieties are something that you should actually be concerned about and how to be concerned about something properly and beneficially instead of being obsessing over something to your detriment yeah because of course it's not always going to be something that it makes sense to other people and it can be very distressing and it can be very affecting onto your life choices and decisions common treatments for this disorder is cognitive behavioral therapy which is a therapy that kind of aims to help you navigate this anxieties and ways to calm down ways to fact check your anxieties ways to help the cycle and more long-term plans um, and also it's very common to pair this with a psychiatric medication if that's a good fit for you. And next type of anxiety disorder is obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD which is the presence of recurrent unwanted thoughts or obsessions and or repetitive behaviours which become so consuming they interfere with your daily life. OCD often involves a cycle of first having anxiety inducing thoughts and worries like I might leave the stove on and if I do it might burn down the house then do a ritual or behaviour that that, um, alleviates the anxiety and like makes us feel better. Like I should double check the stove to make sure it's off before I go outside, which often develops to what is dysfunctional to the extent of oh, if I don't check the stove exactly 15 times before I leave the kitchen, my house will burn down. Double checking or having certain rituals to alleviate anxiety or something is something we're all familiar with. But with OCD, these anxiety-inducing thoughts, rituals, and obsessions become so all-consuming that they drastically impact your daily life. These anxieties and rituals don't need to be logical and can be something simple like if I do not think these specific things about my mom five times on the bus, something bad will happen to her. Those of us with OCD are most of the time aware that these anxieties and beliefs are irrational, but anxiety is just so all-consuming that you feel unable to resist them and break free. We may try to alleviate this kind of anxiety by avoiding situations that can trigger it, or we might self-medicate with alcohol 
alcohol or drugs. Uh, and all this can just drastically impact your life, not only the disorder, but you trying to uh, cope with it. Common treatments for OCD includes uh, the aforementioned cognitive behavioral therapy, which aims to address these inaccurate thoughts, beliefs, and cycles, especially through the use of something called exposure and response prevention, which involves gradually exposing you to these anxieties and to teach you how to cope with them in a more healthy ways. And this treatment can also be coupled with psychiatric medication. A common misconception with OCD is being like cleanly and washing your hands a lot or asking people to take their shoes off before they enter your house because they love cleanliness and their response would be, I'm a bit OCD. It's not just that, it's rituals to please these thoughts and behaviours that are inside your head because if you don't do these, it's it's a fear that something would happen if you don't do it. So it could just be, like you said earlier, that it could be as random as if I don't do this specific thing, someone could die or I have to turn the lights off five times before I go to bed or I'm not going to be able to wake up that these people just have these specific thoughts about OCD and they don't know the entire story of it yeah definitely and often the behaviours you may witness uh, from those sorts of OCD it's almost just like the end result of an entire anxiety cycle so when you see someone doing maybe repetitive behaviour so repeating words or seemingly repeating thoughts um, if they tell you about it that's the end stage of an entire anxiety cycle of logic and something called magical thinking where we link up things that aren't necessarily correlated like oh numbers or how you say something was like a really weird external consequence as you were saying like oh i need to uh, flip the light switch or something really bad will happen to me like those aren't correlated at all but in this kind of anxiety cycle it can you can be absolutely convinced that it is they completely justify that the actions that they do in their heads which is why the treatment cbt is so useful because of what cbt does it breaks down each part of their anxiety and thoughts and disconnects them in a way that makes them not make sense anymore just how other people see things if they see a light switch they're not automatically going to think oh no this will kill me. Yeah. It's it's a way of breaking your brain down that makes you think in I'm gonna say a normal way. Yeah, being able to look at things from the outside that like, oh I, see, I just got the thought that if I do not pick up that coin from the ground, something bad will happen to my partner. But you're able to take a step back and be like, okay, what will happen if I give in to this thought right now? Maybe you need to do it because like your anxiety is already high anyway, so you don't have the time to deal with it. Or you realize that like, oh, maybe this is a destructive cycle I don't want to get into again. I'm gonna try really hard not to pick up that coin. Another common anxiety disorder is social phobia. This is more well known as social anxiety disorder. It's an overwhelming anxiety and excessive self-consciousness in everyday social situations. Social phobia can be limited to only one type of situation such as fear of speaking in formal or informal situations or eating or drinking in front of others or it can be in its severe form so broad that a person experiences symptoms almost every time and this happens every time they're around other people this can be being afraid to talk to strangers or even say specific things to their friends because they're scared of being wrong or berated. Symptoms can also vary between psychological and physical ones like dizziness, intense sense of dread, sweating, stomach aches or nausea. They can also have an increased heart rate. They get blank minds, intense fear and dry mouth and this situation for them feels so incredibly intense that they could also get panic attacks as well. Mm. A 
lot of anxiety disorders have symptoms such as panic attacks because of it's the oversense of fear and panic and overthinking that drives them to this situation. Yeah, especially the overthinking in terms of social anxiety. Um, for those with social anxiety, it can be experienced at like always being constantly worried that you said something wrong, that you came across as stupid, that you made someone upset. Uh, often obsessively going over situations where you said something maybe wrong. Uh, always being worried that like someone is actually upset with you or like oh your friends the people around you are actually very like secretly annoyed or angry or upset with you and is always being very very hyper vigilant very worried very anxious about uh, specific social situations in our lives and as you said can be very general to the people we know but can also manifest itself as like oh you might be completely safe talking to your friends and family but you're almost unable to speak to any kind of stranger. Yeah, and this can vary in all different types of situation, and it can hit you at any point. One minute you could be talking to your friend walking down the street, and you'll see something, and it could make you absolutely terrified of being in that place or in a situation or a previous situation that you've been in, like speaking publicly where something hasn't even gone wrong, but say if you stuttered and no one really noticed you will overthink that one little bit over and over again thinking oh people are noticed people are thinking about it they're judging me about this one specific thing and it's something that's not exactly short term it's something that you focus on even if it's like days later you'll go back and think about that one small thing or large thing you've done yeah definitely and to experience social anxiety not disorder but just social anxiety it's very common in all of us again a lot of us are aren't really fond of public speaking or things like that but social anxiety is to the point where it again like drastically impacts your daily life uh, as well as it's just causes like significant distress to you as well because we all can be a bit worried about what our friends actually said or if we said something wrong the other day and think about it a little bit it's when it comes to the point uh, that it's just causing you a lot of distress and you find yourself trying to cope with it um, in a way that's not sustainable you may end up becoming incredibly withdrawn maybe completely avoiding your friends because you think they are mad at you or you don't want to upset someone we might end up being incredibly extroverted and very intense because I feel like we need to make up um, for the fact that we might feel we're bad at socialising and always trying to cheer people up. It can manifest in very different ways, but it's overall very stressful to experience. Yeah, that, that is, is very true. And because of it's so common, the, the mild variety of social anxiety, common in people like public speaking and being in a situation where you think someone is mad at you, I think that a social phobia disorder is good in a way that everyone can understand the situation that you are in. Obviously, the treatment is very similar to other anxiety disorders. Mm. It'll be cognitive behavioural therapy or medication. But because of it's such a wide feeling, I guess is the way to put it, that it's very easy to talk about it with other people. Mm. And people can relate to you and they can see that you are struggling in this situation. But what is the difference between having the disorder and not is the extreme overwhelming fear and anxiety over this specific thing. Mm. That it can stop people from going out for long periods of time. It's just as severe as other anxiety disorders because it is so common. People don't take it as seriously. Just like OCD, there's all, there's that bit of stigma behind it mm. that they have this specific set. Like, oh, this is what it is. It's the same with social anxieties. They can't talk to other people 
they're always going to be introverted there's a set of rules for this disorder when actually there's a wide variety of things that can happen yeah it often coexists also with agoraphobia which is the phobia of often open spaces or large crowds um, which can be unrelated to social anxiety but often isn't you will fare places where there might be bigger crowds you might even fare leaving your house and it can have very life-altering effects and I think I agree with what you said that seeing as it like it's a feeling a lot of people can empathize with it may make it easier to talk to other people about it however you can also end up in the word misunderstanding where people are like, oh, social anxiety. Oh, yeah, I also get nervous during presentations. Yeah. And it's like, well, you never really know how aware some, someone's issues are. And if you make uh, judgments either way, it can be very detrimental. Because sometimes it's like, oh, social anxiety could be that like oh i was feeling a bit anxious of this new social situation with all these new people i've never met before but social anxiety can also mean not leaving your house in three weeks because you can't bear to interact with someone yeah it can be taken very lightly because of the way that people look at it Mm. and it can be difficult for someone who has it because if you say that you have a social anxiety disorder people just either say oh yeah but you can get over that just do it Mm. just like in a situation where someone's worried to do a presentation but they have to do it once they've done it the anxiety is gone Mm. so they feel that people with this disorder just do it and the anxiety will be gone but even after they if they could do it the anxiety doesn't go away because it's the fear of did I do it wrong they have to go through the entire thing in their heads to make sure that everything went right and if it didn't it's something to dwell on yeah definitely the next anxiety disorder is post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD it's a disorder that can develop after we're exposed to a terrifying event or very stressful situation. Traumatic events that may cause PTSD include personal assault, natural or human-caused disasters, mental or physical abuse, accidents and combat. PTSD often involves flashbacks where we feel like we are reliving the traumatic and stressful situation we're in. These flashbacks and episodes can be caused by triggers that can remind us of the traumatic event like a similar situation, sound or smell. These triggers can be logical, like seeing flashing lights in your rear window, similar to what you did before a traumatic car crash but can also be weirdly specific like smelling a specific scent, um, hearing a Christmas song or passing by a specific building Uh, similar to PTSD, which is caused by a specific and single traumatic event, there is also complex PTSD or CPTSD, which has very um, similar signs and symptoms, but it's due to long-term chronic or complex trauma, such as uh, long-term abuse, neglect, or a combination of different traumatic events. However, CPTSD is not currently recognized in the Diagnostic Manual of Use, but it is overall recognized as an anxiety disorder. PTSD can cause us to go to extreme lengths to keep ourselves safe, like avoiding anything that reminds us of the location of our traumatic events took place but can also lead us to avoiding specific types of people or develop a lot of anger or avoidance to make sure we're safe counterintuitively it can also cause us to seek out experiences which can trigger a past trauma or recreate situations where a trauma happened in an attempt to give us a sense of control for example after experiencing sexual assault we might 
avoid the entire district where the event took place, fair people who remind us of the event, but we might also inadvertently put ourselves in risky sexual situations with other people. Common treatment to help us deal with PTSD is the previously mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy, but also a pretty new treatment called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, or EMDR. EMDR is this really weird therapy which involves tracking a certain movement with your eyes while recalling the traumatic event or events with the help of a mental health professional. It sounds very simple, uh, but it has shown to be incredibly effective in making memories of the traumatic event or events feel less stressful and anxiety-inducing. A lot of us also find support groups with others who have experienced sim- similar trauma to be very helpful. Yeah, the thing about PTSD is it's very much associated with one specific group, which mm. is people who have been in the military or the army or anything that involves being in a war zone that obviously will induce stress or have some sort of traumatic event when actually PTSD can be common with anyone because mm. it isn't just an insanely traumatic event like someone dying or getting hit by a truck it could be it depends on who the person is mm. and what they deem as being stressful just like it can be an attack that happened on the street or being robbed or being assaulted it's not always so incredibly extreme but the responses from it once you have been diagnosed and you have PTSD anything can almost trigger it like you were saying it Mm. could be lights it could be a smell it can be a person even if it's not completely associated your brain will find that association in the first place so even if it's a slam of a door the sound could be completely different but it's that loud sound that's the association that it was loud Mm. that brought you into this almost panic attack state the the reactions can also be completely different and the severity can change one time one person could just go into this state that is is isn't completely noticeable but obviously it's something that can stress them out and make them feel worse but it could be as someone on their hands and knees freaking out and screaming and not really knowing where they are or who they are yeah that's a very good point that like i think the general understanding of flashbacks are very visceral like you can see when it's happening someone will freak out they will yell they will say something and a flashback can definitely look like that but it can also lead to people just dissociating just blankly staring out into a room becoming incredibly introverted Mm. and kind of going through a flashback and may not be noticeable at all I think it's also important to mention that although traumatic experiences can increase our risk of developing PTSD it doesn't mean that if you have been through a traumatic event you will experience PTSD Uh, there's a again there's a difference between like experiencing trauma and dealing with something bad that happened to you and experiencing significant daily distress due to something that happened in the past because if you go for a traumatic event like i was saying like being robbed or assaulted of course it's not nonchalant you're not just going to brush it off yeah like you need it to never process happened. that yeah. yeah that's healthy to do and it will be traumatic for you and there will be some consequences that change your life so you may avoid specific situations but ptsd is so much more extreme than that mm and it doesn't have to be as traumatic for someone else as it is for another person like I said it completely depends on how this person perceives the stressor and the traumatic event definitely so that wraps up our very brief overview on different anxiety disorders again this is not meant to be used for diagnosis only information so if you're curious or see yourself in any of the symptoms you described in this episode it might be a good idea to talk to your GP or another mental health professional or do your own research
research. The NHS has some very helpful online articles that go more in depth about each disorder, their causes, as well as their treatments. Yeah, there are a lot of resources available up on our website, anxiousminds.co.uk, where there are different articles, blog posts, information about support groups, counselling services, and other resources. And as always, if you have any feedback, questions, or requests, you can reach us at anxious.minds at yahoo.co.uk and that wraps up this episode this has been anxious tea time with ellie and gully feel free to listen to our last episode and other anxious mind shows on radio.anxiousminds.co.uk and we'll see you next week